go for it. <laughs> Welcome to Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. I'm Susanna, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. I'm sitting in a nice cold room with a warm blanket. Yeah, my uh, my bonus room, our makeshift podcasting room, studio, is above my garage, which I really don't think has any insulation, and it is officially winter. It stays chilly. It stays chilly in here. So we have a duvet cover. We have a Barefoot Dreams blanket. We're all decked out. It's like slumber party warm, in here. Warm laptops on our lap. Yes. So... <laughs> Yeah. All the things. The vibe is set. Mm -hmm. So how are you, Sarah? What's new? I'm good. Uh, Not much is new over here. Just getting ready for Christmas. Uh, I was thinking today, it's almost time for like, I mean, the calendar's about to roll over. It's about to be a new year. And I started thinking about all of the people who are about to do Whole30 at the beginning of the new year. And I just like, I just like retroactively got angry (laughs) because... I don't know. It just like frustrates me every year when well, it people be retroactively, it would be like, Oh, what's pre- the word? Preemptive. That's yes. the word I wanted. Yes. Preemptively. Thank you. Yes. Uh, got angry because it's just like, why? You know? Yeah. I mean, I have compassion because like I used to do that kind of thing. You don't know. Correct. And like I used to do crush dieting and crazy stuff like that. And what is it? 75 hard and it's just, you can enjoy the beginning of a new year without punishing yourself by eliminating entire groups of food. So, And there really aren't any long-term benefits. No, there really aren't. And there's really no need to uh, demonize any type of food. Yeah. So anyway, this is just your friendly reminder, uh, our lovely listener, even though this is not what you come here for, that you do not have to ever do the Whole30 at any time of year. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what I've been thinking about lately. You know what? I, that never crossed my mind, but thank you. Um, I mean, we're about to be inundated with toxic yeah. diet culture, you know, anyway, but it is what it is. It is. Stand firm. Yeah. Stand your ground. So what's going on with you? Tell us what's new. Well, this is Susanna. I have exciting news. I have Even though you guys didn't know that I started EMDR, I have officially graduated from EMDR work with my therapist. So, cue pomp and circumstance. Do, 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 do. I'm going to move my tassel (laughs) now. There you go. Um, So, if you are unfamiliar with EMDR, um, I don't really know exactly how to describe it, so I'm going to pass it over to Sarah, who <laughs> great was not the, prepared for this. All great. the psychology things, but essentially, okay, well, I'll, correct, I can explain. Correct it. me if I'm okay. No, you know what? You go ahead because okay. I've been having a really hard time with words. I so. think you're doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah. So EMDR is a therapeutic technique that's designed to treat trauma uh, in the brain. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And what it does is it activates both sides of the brain, um, basically in an effort to reorganize um, some parts of your brain that have attached to trauma. Uh, So basically, like when we experience traumatic events, the shape of our brain can change. Mm -hmm. Like the parts of our brain that remember things can, they can just be altered. And so basically what it does, EMDR, it is, um, you know, practically speaking, some 
like different practitioners will practice at different ways. Like with my counselor, we have these little, um, she calls them tappers Mm -hmm. and it's just these two little paddles that I hold and they just like vibrate back and forth. One in my right hand, one in my left hand. Uh, some people will, it was originally used with eye movement. So like something moving in front of your face and your eyes are following it, which sounds kind of like hypnotism, but it's not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what is, what is your counselor use? Yeah. So we, we did the, the tappers too, and it's literally Perfect. the size of like gum sticks. Yeah. Like a stick of gum and you would hold them in your hand yeah. and, um, you know, you're, just you're very much forth. aware of the, um, the vibration and the patterns and it's not anything like super intense. It's actually Mm-mm. very gentle. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that I was really taken by surprise with because I mean, I, I feel like EMDR has been kind of looming out, you know, in front of me for so long. And I, I knew kind of in the back of my mind that it was really important for me to do EMDR, but I was really nervous. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I know, several people who have gotten, you know, EMDR treatment for various reasons and they're fully functioning. They had, you know, good experiences with the EMDR. It's nothing to be scared of, but it was unknown to me. Mm -hmm. And I have a wonderful therapist who is kind and gentle and she walked me through the whole process well before we started Mm -hmm. um, because she even told me, hey, you'd be a really good candidate mm-hmm. for EMDR. But um, I think I did a total of like three or four sessions, which really surprised me that I was able to get through what I had been holding on to so tightly, so quickly. Mm-hmm. I really thought I was going to be doing EMDR for months. I don't know why I had that expectation, but I think I put that expectation because I don't know that just felt right but anyway it, it was a really cool feeling when we were able to kind of work through I really had one uh specific trauma point mm-hmm. um that we worked on for like I said three or four sessions and then at the very end it was so cool because when we were done my therapist said all right you've graduated. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm completely healed. It doesn't mean that, you know, I, certain memories have been erased from my mind. It just has softened everything. Mm -hmm. And this specific trauma point or memory, um, has been kind of like on a loop Mm -hmm. in my mind. And it really was the first few years after Leland passed away where, I mean, I could be going grocery shopping. I could be doing nothing. I could be doing something super random and like that memory. It was like I was on a hamster wheel and like all I could do was just think about that memory and I lived in that memory and I mean, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of lessened over time, but like there would still be, you know, occasional nights where I'm trying to go to sleep and I close my eyes and I'm in that memory again. Yeah. And it's visceral, you know? And so, um, now everything, I still fully remember that memory. Um, but it has been softened Mm -hmm. and it was really powerful how my therapist was able to walk me through that specific, uh, trauma, point I feel like I keep calling it something different but yeah that's okay 
um anyway it was it was really powerful how she walked me through it and um yeah I mean it was it 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 was really really powerful and gentle and I'm so proud of myself I'm proud of you I'm so proud of you sis yeah well and that's the whole point of EMDR and I think I might have a hunch about why you might have thought it was going to take you so long because I've been holding on to it for you had been holding on to it for so long and it felt much bigger than it actually is yeah and that's the whole point of EMDR is basically you're you're getting a file out of the filing cabinet of your brain mm-hmm. you're just straightening up the papers and you're taking a look at what what really happened here what is true about this situation and then you just kind of reorganize it back into your brain in a way that allows it just enough space that it needs yeah so I def and I have gone through EMDR several times and um I can definitely relate to the feeling that you're talking about of like the memory is still there and it's not, it's not like EMDR is this re-traumatizing experience where you live through it again. I I kind of felt like that going into it. I really, I really thought to myself, oh my gosh. And I remember being so nervous going into that therapy session when we were going to start it. And I, I even told my therapist, she, we sat down and she's so sweet. She's like, you know, how are you? How's everything? You know, that's how we start, you know, every session. And I can kind of like take the reins and be like, okay, I really want to talk about whatever. And yeah. I knew we were going to start EMDR that day. So I said, let's just go ahead and get started. Yeah. And she was like, oh, okay. Is there anything you want to talk about? I was like, nope, 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 nope. I was like, let's just do it. And she was like, okay. So we did it. And like, I did tell her, I was like, I'm just really nervous that this is going to feel like that day and that specific point in time all over again. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like there were a lot of tears, especially in that first, um, that first session, because I was verbalizing what I was feeling. And that was the first time I had really verbalized or, you know, spoken out loud this loop that I was on. And anyway, it was great because she's a third party and she was able to kind of talk me down, walk me through it. We did it together and I, I just remember when I was finished with EMDR and my therapist said, all right, you're done. We, we got through it. I, I felt this huge sense of relief and I looked at her and I was like, that wasn't bad. And she was like, no. And I was like, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. I feel so brave. And then I told her, I was like, I, I wish I had done this sooner. Yeah. I'm, I'm so mad that I waited this long because I mean, we're in year seven now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I graduated just last month <laughs> in November. And, uh, my therapist looked at me and she was like, you know, Susanna, maybe you weren't ready until now. Mm. And I was like, of course you're going to say that, you know, cause she just always knows what to say. But I was like, yeah, I guess so. She was like, you know, some people try to do EMDR too soon or too quickly after the traumatic event and they just need more time. Mm, I can imagine for it that. To be effective. Yeah. And so anyway. Well, let this be your encouragement if you're someone who has thought about EMDR or thought about even starting counseling for the very first time after grief. Um, it's number one, never too late. Never, never. Never too late. And um yeah, it's not as scary as you might think it is. It really isn't. 
the the hardest part of all of it is just calling and making that first appointment yeah i totally agree totally agree anyway thanks for sharing of course yeah i meant to share that uh last week but i literally was like i don't know what was going on like i wasn't thinking straight i i don't know you have a new baby yeah it's okay people keep telling me that but i'm like no i think my brain is broken no okay (laughs) well or maybe that hey next therapy appointment you'll have to ask about that yeah (laughs) um excuse me uh but yeah so okay just had to share with the class well thanks so today we are gonna talk about is this a snackable episode well we're already 13 minutes in okay I was thinking about that earlier today I was like oh maybe this will be a snackable episode or 45 minutes long right just a big snack it's just a really very big that's my kind of snack me too um, so today Sarah and I are going to be talking about true crime, um, and basically all the issues that we have with it. Um, we recently posted on our Instagram, uh, a little, uh, post with like a carousel, I think is what you call it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Um, whatever. Several slides, um, about true crime and, um, Sarah, do you want to read through it? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was, I will say, like, I was a little bit nervous to post it because it's definitely, like, a hot-button topic just because true crime is so prevalent and so popular. everywhere. Everywhere. And so, yeah, I was definitely just, I was just nervous about it. But, yeah, I think if we just want to go through some of these topics and share a little bit more of our thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. so, okay, there's four points that we wanted to talk about. Number one, just about why true crime is problematic. And when we talk about true crime, first, before I jump into the, the first topic, um, we're talking about TV shows, movies, podcasts. even podcasts, because I feel like it's gotten huge with podcasting, true it, crime It has. really is. And I'm trying to think back to, like, where it all started, like, what was the turning point? Because... I feel like it's been a new thing. I feel like it started with Serial. Do you remember that Mm -hmm. show? It came out when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And it came out when Leland was still alive because Mm -hmm. he and I listened to it together. Mm. Which is another caveat I want to say is that I have 100% engaged in this. Um, Oh, yeah. This form of entertainment. And I have had a change of heart and normalized changing your mind. Yes. First of all. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I feel like it started with uh, the podcast Serial, which is about, yeah, it's just, it's about a, uh, basically a cold case Mm -hmm. um, murder that happened. Adnan Sayed. Sayed. Yeah. In like, I think it was the early 2000s. And anyway, it just, I think kind of took off from there maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was very... um, captivating I think and um crap I was gonna say something I had a thought that's okay it just it got super popular after that and there are lots there are now lots of forms of entertainment and um we're specifically obviously talking about true stories of real people that are either retold or dramatized Mm -hmm. through different forms of entertainment whether it's tv shows movies books so so basically we're talking about true crime from an entertainment perspective correct um and then also one more thing i'd like to say if we if we ever really get into the meat of all of this (laughs) Is we're not going back to what Sarah was saying about how she's engaged in this kind of stuff. I mean, I have too, but we're not 
shaming Correct. people that listen to those podcasts, watch the docu-series or, you know, whatever, watch the TV shows. We're not shaming any of you people. We're just trying to give a different perspective yes. and enlighten and broaden some horizons. Yes. We want to ask you to think about this in a different way. Yeah. Because I did not used to think about it this way. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, so, okay. So number one reason why true crime entertainment in general is problematic is because victims are objectified. Um, and I'll just kind of read what we wrote here. Um Victims in these different forms of entertainment are reduced from human beings with real dynamic personalities, families, characteristics, careers, um, achievements, and they are reduced to objects of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And death has been sensationalized and commercialized using real stories of those who have died for the pleasure of a consumer. That's strong language, and we mean every word of it. Yeah. I mean, every single word of it and if if that kind of makes you go whoa okay yeah sit in that whoa for yeah. a second yeah it's just really sad to think that like I mean an entire lifetime whether it was a short life or a long life of a person is just they are totally reduced to mm-hmm. this one little thing about them you know we yeah. wouldn't in any other form of, uh, you know, a characteristic of someone, whether it's, you know, where they went to college or um, how many kids they had, usually you're not going to make a whole story out of one thing about them. Mm-hmm. So the fact that somebody happened to pass away in one specific gruesome, terrible way. And by the way, it's not just death. True crime covers a lot of different issues, right. not just murder, not just death. There's right. lots of just egregious well, crimes violent out there. acts. Yeah. Yes. Um. It just, it totally reduces them to one thing about them when they are, they could have all these things, they could have had all these things going for them or achievements or uh, causes that they cared about. And I mean, I'm sorry, if that were me, I'm like, that is not how I would want to be remembered. Yeah. That's just so sad. It's just not an honoring way to memorialize someone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that bothers me. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, the second one, um, do you have this pulled up too? I do. Okay, do you want to read the second one? Sure. Okay. Um, Okay, so it says, the victims deserve privacy. Someone who has died cannot consent to their story, their personal details, or their likeness being used in entertainment. The deceased deserve our respect for their privacy long after their death. Just because the details of a criminal case are public record does not mean that details should be broadcasted for entertainment purposes. I mean, I think that that literally speaks for itself because when you were just reading off the first point, all I could think was, think of was, you know, for the serial podcast, I think the girl's name was Hey Min, Hey Min Lee. I don't hey remember. Hey Min. That Lee. sounds right. Um, she didn't give her consent. Right. Teresa right. Hallback from Making a Murderer did not give her consent. Yeah. And the people, her family, I mean, they chose not to comment. Yeah. When Netflix reached out to them. But then Netflix just still chose to make that documentary. Right. Well, and that's the issue here is that then a lot of it falls onto families. And we're going to talk about this a little bit too. Like, oh, well, the families could have consented. Oh, sorry. I got ahead of myself. No, 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 you're not. But um, like, fa- sure, families could consent to that. 
but that's not that's still not the person I mean yeah. you might have a family member out there who's like kind of wacky and that's still- or they see that this is an opportunity for income yes or fame fame or attention mm-hmm. and even if it even if they're wanting to shed a positive light like it doesn't really matter because we're not getting you cannot get informed consent from someone who passed away mm-hmm. that's it's just not okay um, so I just have fundamental ethical issues with the fact that you you cannot get consent from somebody um, who has died to use their image, their likeness, their story, any of their information for yeah. entertainment purposes. But like, I guess you could take that from like a true crime perspective. Yes, I totally agree with but part of me thinking like devil's advocate here for a second but like what about someone who like had really great achievements and like you want to make like a documentary about them and you know they've already passed away I guess I mean that's a totally different situation though because you're not choosing to focus on just one particular instance of like that you know yeah it doesn't really to me it doesn't really seem like there's ethical issues with like praising someone for the great things that they did in their life but Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah, and there, and that really is the stance of a lot of people is, yeah. you know, people who would disagree with us and think that true crime is actually a really, like, enlightening thing for pop culture would say that, well, it's shedding light on these, um, these cases. Or, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, but mm-hmm. um, Crime Junkies is a big mm-hmm. podcast, like, mm-hmm. one of the number one crime, po- I think it is the number one crime podcast. And people will talk about how, like, well, they'll get tips come in and, like, the fans will help to solve cases. And, like, um, people really defend that form of entertainment because of the, you know, you basically have this huge community of people who are listening. Who are wannabe vigilantes. Right. But then you think, okay, so let's say they've done 500 episodes and 100 of them which is not the case, but a hundred of them people solved. Like some, something happened, something was solved, some big break happened. You still have 400 stories of people who did not give their consent, cases that did not need to be brought up again, families that did not need to be re-traumatized. Like, is it really worth that? And I don't know, maybe that's a, I don't know that I can say I'm erring on the side that you're on, Sarah, because I've heard that you know, crime junkies as an example, like, oh, they give back to the victim's families and whatever. And I I think I need to do a little more research to see what exactly are they giving back? um, Because they certainly can't give back the person that's dead. Hmm. I don't know. I don't. And also like, I mean, they're obviously, and again, we'll get into this too. They're obviously capitalizing on their podcast. So like they're obviously Mm -hmm. making money from it. And so sure they could be giving back, but like that money does not bring their person back. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't make right how they were wronged. Right. So, I don't know. Something to think. Just something to consider. Correct. Uh, Okay, let's move on to the next one, which I just kind of hinted at. Families are re-traumatized. That's point number three, the issue with true crime. Uh, Families of loved ones, victims have lived through unimaginable trauma. Um, Those are the stories that make these types of entertainment are the crazy, you know, really intense or really sensational stories. And so those Mm -hmm. families have already lived through all of the ins and outs of 
those crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, every time their story is retold without their involvement, their trauma is compounded and amplified. And I want to emphasize the without their involvement because there, again, are some um, times when families are consulted and they are um, glad to give their input. And so obviously we're not I mean, they, they, that, that's, that's their choice. Correct. That that's is their totally choice. their prerogative. And if that's what they feel like is best for their family and for their story, mm-hmm. that's fine. Sure. That's on I them. can't say that I would do anything different just because that's not something I've ever encountered. Um, but, I mean, we were just reading some stories of people who've spoken out in several of these big, you know, true crime stories that have blown up, like Making a Murder, like the Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix TV series. And... um you know, these families were not consulted. They're just mm-hmm. all of a sudden hearing from not even the companies, not even the production companies, from their family members, from their friends. Hey, did you see that somebody's portraying you on this TV show? Mm-hmm. And like the OJ Simpson, the people versus OJ Simpson. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people were just portrayed yeah. by actors who look just like them, who, again, because all of this is public record, are reading statements that they gave in court verbatim. And they're not being consulted. They're not, you know, they're, and, and the thing is, that's legal. Yeah. It is totally legal. But, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Mm -hmm. So it just, it does not, just because something is allowed does not make it ethical. Right. I don't know. It just really grieves me for those families to, to then just see people, you know, on TikTok, you know, Oh, did you see this? You know, I, I even saw, I don't know if you saw this, but in the wake of all that Jeffrey Dahmer stuff, people were like making memes about it. I I didn't see that, but I mean, I could imagine. It's just sick. Like, it's so sick. Well, it's entertainment. And I just. It's, it's fair game. But it's not. No, it's not. And it just because makes me people. so sad. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I'm totally like out of step and out of place here because this is not our experience with grief. I mean, Leland's death was an accident. It was Mm -hmm. not at the hand of another person. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would just, the fierce feelings that I have inside me already to defend who he is because he's not here to defend himself. Not that anybody's ever trying to (laughs) come at him or anything, but they know better not to. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Not with sisters like these. (laughs) I can only imagine how infuriated I would be to find out that people are telling his story or telling the story that they think happened about him or telling anything about his life. Right. Without consulting the people that he knows or that he knew that were a part of his life. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that just makes me angry. It's it's a big ick. Yeah, big ick. Seriously. Okay, you want to talk about our last one here? Sure. Okay. Okay. Number four, the entertainment industry is capitalizing on death. Because of the high demand for true crime content, entertainment companies are making millions off of the trauma and devastation of death. Using someone's death for financial gain is disrespectful and exploitive. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. You go ahead. I've talked a lot, but I have a lot of thoughts on this. I'm just going to say it. You go first. Okay. This is problematic in two ways. I want to address two things. Number one, 
is the entertainment industry. And I'm talking about production companies, um, con- the people who are creating this content, um, the filmmakers, just the people who are producing this content. I mean, it's business. That's showbiz, baby, right? You know, it's business. They Capitalism. Are, they are going to make money and they, you know, people just don't care. No. They do no. not care at what price um, in terms of the dignity and the ethics of a situation. They care about the balance sheets. They don't care about. Correct. Yeah. And so that's just problematic, period. And again, like. I mean, I'm proud to be an American and freedom of press. Like people are allowed to do these things. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that those freedoms should be taken away. But I do think that people should think twice before they make that kind of content. Right. And this is the second thing that I think needs to be addressed. No producer, no entertainment company, no podcaster would be putting out any of this content if there wasn't such a high demand for it. Yeah. We are the problem. Yeah. Like we are 50% of the problem. Like we cannot be laying all the blame here on people who are actually getting the paychecks Mm -hmm. because the only reason that, you know, the hosts of these podcasts and these production companies are making any money off of any of it is because... I mean, we're demanding it. We are demanding it. Yeah. Because they're getting the streams on Netflix. They're getting the streams, the podcast downloads. Like, they're getting those things. And so, like, we are giving them that. Yeah. And, I mean, they're not, like, these, like, production companies and and whatnot. Like, they're not dumb. And, like, if you you look at, um, like, what happened uh, recently. Was it earlier? It was either this year or last year. I can't remember with the whole Gabby Petito case, yeah, how involved everyone got with that. On social media. On social media and how everyone inserted themselves trying to solve this case almost like it was a board game. Yeah. And if you don't know, Gabby Petito was a young girl who went missing. She went missing. She was on a trip with her boyfriend. It was a very... um but like uh, it blew up toxic before, relationship yeah and it he blew up her. before anyone knew her fate like yes no one knew what had happened and yes. that's what you're talking about yes people were treating it like it was a game of clue yes yes and then the boyfriend went missing and so now everyone's trying to find the boyfriend and it just I don't know it just became this big it, it felt very like dehumanized in a way. Yes. Um, because it's not, I, I felt like people weren't focusing on the fact that like a young girl who had like her whole future in front of her was taken at the hand of an, I, I, I'm assuming an abusive uh, boyfriend. Right. Um, people were just trying to figure out, oh, is that her body being dragged from the van? Look at the slow motion security camera footage. Because I remember yeah. watching that and I was like, what the hell? Yeah. So, I mean, so all that to say, like, w- we as a society, we gobble that stuff up because it is so, um, I think we're so desensitized yes. that we need the shock and awe mm-hmm. um, to like, I don't know 
get excited about something. And so producers see that people see that, um, you know, with companies like Netflix and and whatnot. And so they're churning out that content and they're, they're churning out the content of just really egregious acts of violence. Yeah. Because that's what we're hooked on and it's gotta be bigger, badder and bloodier and just gross. Yeah each and every time yeah and you know it's really interesting to me to think about like I mean before all the true crime stuff was really big there have I mean for decades there have been shows like Law and Order sure and NCIS and Dexter and Mm -hmm. these shows that are dramatized about crime which are also I think unethical and wrong not and not in the same way as true crime because sure it's not they're fictional but it's still sensationalizing and desensitizing people to the death. And mm-hmm. like with Law and Order SVU, the terrible, oh yes, demented crimes that are being committed every day. And honestly, and this is just my personal opinion, I think that so many years of honestly people our age, because I think it's the millennials who mm-hmm. really consumed a lot of that content. Mm-hmm. I think that those years of those TV shows and movies really paved the way for us to be able to consume the true crime content right. without being absolutely outraged because it's just been this slow or just burn. disgusted. Yeah. So, I mean, I personally also have issue with like dramatized TV shows because even if it's not real, like even if it's not real people, it's real concepts. Mm-hmm. And these are things that do happen in real life. And it just just the precedent that it sets and the way that it just sensationalizes just terrible traumas Mm -hmm. and like then you have to think about it somebody's sitting in some office somewhere or I don't know maybe in their basement thinking up every single plot line to all of those stories a basement feels more fitting (laughs) yeah for just how gruesome and And, you know I mean I went through a period of time where I was obsessed with Dexter Hmm. and um, I just, I binge watched it. That was like one of the first shows I ever binge watched because um, it was right when we first got Netflix, when Netflix was first a thing. And um, like someone, if you really think about like some of the just disgusting things that are portrayed on that TV show, it's about a serial killer who is really the hero. Yeah. He's the protagonist because he's killing other serial killers. Yeah. Um. First of all, it makes you sympathize or like empathize for somebody who is a psychopath, an actual psychopath. And then it also like normalizes it. it. And then like just these storylines, it's like someone is sitting there thinking through like, oh, and then we should do this. And then we should have this person do this. It's just gross. And like Mm -mm. the fact that somebody is like getting paid to have that job really just does not sit well with me. Mm Mm-mm. It just, yeah, I think that's all I want to say about that. But Mm -hmm. it's just so problematic, I think. Yeah. So anyway, I am a reformed true crime (laughs) entertainment content consumer. Mm -hmm. And you can be too. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be. And, you know, I think this is one thing about experiencing grief. Again, even though I said my grief is different because the person I lost 
his death was because of an accident. The, the circumstances were were night and day. Right. But um, losing someone really opens your eyes to these kinds of things. And I think it, I mean, for me, it has just really, it has just softened me mm-hmm. to, um, to grieving families and to what yeah. they might be experiencing. Um, I'm also just so protective, like I said, of Leland's life and his story. You want him to be remembered for so many other things, Correct. not his accident. And, you know, and we even talked about this in the Frequently Asked Questions episode. Like, if somebody starts to ask about details of his death, like, I have no problem saying, you know, I would be happy to answer any questions you have about his life, but the details of her, of his death are private. Now, is it going to hurt anybody for me to share those details? I, I mean, no, but they're unnecessary. And that's not what I want you to know about my brother. And so the fact that I feel so defensive about just ordinary people asking me, I feel defensive on behalf of people who have absolutely no control over the entertainment industry digging up every detail. And just steamrolling. Yes, of somebody's death. I mean... Yeah. And I would say that I am also a, a fellow reformed, um, true crime. I'm not even going to say like junkie because I, I never like, I don't know. I, I would watch some of the documentaries. I would listen mm-hmm. to some of the podcasts, but I will say this even before Leland's accident, I never felt like my cup was filled mm. after I, you know, um, interacted with true crime. It always just kind of left a little bit of a pit in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it, that just, it feels so much bigger now. Yeah. And I will say since Leland's accident, like, I think, I think I've always been like a little more on the sensitive side, mm-hmm. but since Leland's accident, my sensitivity is heightened, um, for a lot of things. And especially when it comes to true crime, that is something where like my radar is up and I'm just not going to engage in any of that stuff because my time is precious. My brain space is precious. And, um, I, I would rather spend my time personally, um, engaging in things that fill my cup. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. And again, this is not to shame anyone that finds entertainment in true crime. This is just hopefully, um, you know, it gives you a reason to just kind of pause and reflect and really think about what are you listening to? This isn't just a, you know, a a story. This, this was someone's life, you know, this is, this is someone's story, um, well, you just, know, I don't know. It's interesting to me. A, a big part of my, just in my personal life, my career is um, talking to young people about what they want to, what they want to do with their lives, like for a career. High schoolers. I talk to a lot of high schoolers. <laughs> and um, I mean, you'd be surprised at the number of kids who tell me they want to be like um, in forensic sciences. They want to be, you know, a blood splatter analyst or they want to be a crime scene investigator and it's because it's dramatized and it's made to seem like it's cool and it's sexy. cool. Yeah. Just like how, you know, I mean, when Grey's Anatomy was big, 
the kids I would talk to wanted to be surgeons, hmm. you know? And so it's just really interesting to see like how that can change in the way that like how, how it influences. culture dictates so yes. much. Yeah. Hmm. Life imitates art. That's what that is. How interesting and how frightening. Yeah. So, you know, whether or not you agree with anything that we're saying here, it's fine. It's not going to break my heart if people right. don't agree with me because I'm taking a very hard stance here. Mm-hmm. All I would ask. You're tough too. You can handle I am, it. I'm very tough. Yeah. Nobody's going to break my heart. Um, <laughs> all I'm going to ask is that people would just consider the things that we talked about, the ways that people are capitalizing on the fact that they're sitting in front of their TV and watching something, mm-hmm. that they would consider the feelings of the family, that they would consider the fact that they you know, when you listen to a story of somebody who has died, you can't ask them, hey, is it okay if I listen to this? Is it okay if I uh, hear about this part of your life? You can't yeah. ask them that. And, you know, the fact that you're not learning about any of the other portions of their life, who they are, what they accomplished, the names of their kids, you're not learning any of those things. Mm-hmm. Would you just consider those things before you stream another episode of your true crime podcast. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We're not, (laughs) the point of this episode isn't to take down crime junkies. It's not to try to cancel Netflix or anything like that. Like we can be adults. We can disagree. Okay. Right. I think it's also important for whoever is still listening to this episode who's stuck (laughs) around this long. Like if you have similar feelings, you're not alone. Yeah. If it kind of, if this stuff kind of gives you the ick, that's okay. That might be your conscience. Yeah. It Honestly, this is kind of how I feel about Halloween because I used to not really talk about how much I hated Halloween until, honestly, until the, like we started grief talk and I realized that so many other people don't like it. Like I didn't really realize that other people felt strongly about true crime. Like I was kind of hush hush about it until this whole Jeffrey Dahmer thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had several people reach out and be like, yeah, this is, I've had kind of some of those similar thoughts. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you just, you don't have to consume it and you, you're not alone. If you, yeah. yeah. If you have a pit in your stomach, listen to your pit, listen to your pit. Just because everyone else is engaging in that content does not mean that you have to engage in that content. Yeah. And I think that is what, what really drew me to true crime in the first place was because everyone was listening to serial. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to know what everyone's talking about and listening to. Okay. Yeah. I'll listen to it. Oh, wait. Yeah. This doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. And there's so much content out there that is so lovely and fulfilling I just finished I just watched the season finale of Downton Abbey Mm. which we have to talk about that whenever you know we're done recording (laughs) because I have so (laughs) many thoughts but like you can you can actually instead of watching you know the Jeffrey Dahmer whatever you can watch the Great British Bake Off or even better I know Junior Bake Off which is children it's like the children's version of and Great like, British Bake Off. Is there anything cuter than kids with British accents? No. Trying to make like a, a pastries trifle. or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, are you kidding me? And I if mean, that's not your cup of tea, that's fine. Like, go for a, a walk. <laughs> How about go get some vitamin D? <laughs> yeah. Call a friend. Like, there's so many, like, learn to play an instrument. There's so many things that you yeah. could do. Yeah. That could 
be fulfilling. Yes. Yeah. So again, even though we, you know, I realize I'm sounding a little judgmental. I'm not judging anyone because I really did. Like I totally also sympathize for people who uh, find, you know, entertainment in these things because that used to be me too. Yeah. And I used to pretend like I found entertainment in it, but it always just made me feel icky and I get scared really easily. And so it was just not a good combination for me over here. Yeah. I get that. I'm scared very easily too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have any closing thoughts now that we've just ripped the entertainment industry to shreds? Totally. We're going to take them down. (laughs) Everyone's canceled. Just kidding. Um, We don't believe in cancellations here. We We believe in being respectful and it's okay to disagree. Yes. Um, uh, no, I don't have any other thoughts. Um, I feel like this has just been kind of like a stream of consciousness, 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 consciousness. I always get those mixed up. That's okay. They're confusing. Yeah. Too many syllables, too many S's and C's that sound like S's. (laughs) Too similar. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. It's also my bedtime. Um, yeah, we don't usually do the podcast at night. I know. So (laughs) we're on one. I'm feeling particularly unhinged but um anyway no I don't have any other thoughts regarding true crime um but I will say that I'm proud of us for taking a stand on this and for you know really saying what we think and it feels a little counter-cultural in a sense but if there's anything that I am it is counter-cultural so happy to um to make a little wave there cause a little uh you know pause and and reflection um, do you have any, any closing remarks before we wrap up and tell the people how they can get in touch with us? I do. Um, you should win some sort of a prize because we're at 45 minutes right now. Uh, I knew it. That's <laughs> you a, said it was going to be 45 oh, minutes. You're right on the money. Meal. This is a whole <laughs> meal. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up before it goes to 46 <laughs> minutes and Susanna's not right anymore. But, um, <laughs> if you have any thoughts on true crime, if you disagree with us, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, really, and, and we will be respectful. I promise. Like yes. we've taken a hard stance here, but like we, I think it's great to hear. Absolutely. Other opposing yes. opinions. Yeah. So reach out to us on our website, grieftalkpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at grief talk podcast and um, you can submit a form through our website. We always love to read those forms. It gets emailed to us and we we read those. So mm-hmm. if you'd like to reach us, we'd love to be reached. And as always, feel free to, to share this episode with anybody that you feel like, I don't know, maybe you could use it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you need to have a, an intervention with someone in your life who's a little too addicted to true crime. Well, look no further. We can help. Absolutely. We did all the hard work for you. You've come to the right place. Go in peace. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, you guys. Bye. Bye.